Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Alone Today podcast. My name is Anu and with me today is... Joseph, you're welcome. It's good to have you back. Today's question is from Abigail. I'll read it out exactly as she said it. So this is Abigail's question. So tonight, I was slightly disturbed about something and then my heart raced back to a post I saw earlier and I just had to go look for it. Here is the post. There is no single original copy of any book of the Bible. If God values his words, why has he failed to preserve his words? End quote. Last week, someone said Good News Bible wasn't authored by a Christian, that Good News Bible wasn't a Bible at all, and all of that. I also remember that the Passion Translation Bible in my version Bible app would say some verses are missing. A lot of times I've noticed that what we have in one version, we may not have in another. I'm a little bit bothered about which of the versions to even read. So, so you, mm. Pastor Ola, before we start answering Abigail's questions, mm-hmm. give us an overview of how we came to have different versions of the Bible. I, I know sometimes when I've re- listened to one of your preaching, you would say that in order to find the purpose of a Bible, you read the, the preface, mm. and they would help you to know exactly why, why the Bible has been written the way it has been written. So please enlighten us <laughs> more. Thanks to Abigail for asking the question. Um, yeah, Abigail is not alone, and this is not the first time um, someone will be um, having the kind of questions that she's having. Mm. Um, I think I've had the same myself. Um, and to pick up from uh, the point you just mentioned about what I've said before about mm-hmm. this, um, yeah, that's a very helpful practice. You'll be surprised. In all my years of, of not just preaching from God's word, but also talking about the Bible itself, like helping people understand this whole issue about translations and things like that, when I ask people randomly, have you ever read the preface to the Bible that you use? Mm. I've never really found anybody that says, yes, I did. That's interesting. Um, And actually, I think it's just good practice, not just for the Bible, for (laughs) any book whatsoever that you want to read. Don't just go to chapter one and start reading. Read Mm. the preface. The preface is where you get the heart of the author Mm -hmm. um, about whatever it is that he wants to write. But the Bible more so. um, There are two kinds of Bible translations that you find and when i'm talking of bible translations generally i'm talking of english translation okay. there are some that are just majorly the work of one person predominantly and there are some other versions that it is by a team of scholars bible scholars mm. coming together to work on it um the rule of thumb in that regards would be to say there is in the multitude of counsel mm. there is safety and so um it would appear that something that had been worked on by a team of people that have queried and questioned themselves before coming to agree to disagree Mm. about whatever um, way certain parts had been translated or written would have gone through more scrutiny Mm, than a Bible translation project that was worked on by Mm. just one person. That's Um, interesting. I remember listening to an interview of Eugene Peterson who wrote the message translation. Okay. He mentioned that in the Beatitudes, Matthew mm. 5, in his initial um, translation attempt, by the way, the message translation was predominantly worked on by Eugene Peterson. That was uh. his project. Um, he said he leaned towards using the words um, lucky. Lucky are you if this happens. Lucky are you if that happens. Lucky are you. 
and <laughs> I think the the <laughs> publishers queried that part was like, why would you go for lucky? <laughs> and he said, really, just like the word because there was a sweet old lady <laughs> in, in in the congregation he was pastoring at the time that tends to use the word lucky, and of course somehow that seemed to in his poetic license mm. fit into what um, that passage was saying okay, blessed there actually talks about happy hmm. happy are you if happy are. and it was like okay oh, happy and lucky what's the difference <laughs> let's just go with that mm. those are the kind of little little um poetic license i would call them that could come into a project that was a bible translation project that was predominantly the work of one person as opposed mm. to a team okay. but that's let's let's hold that on the one hand okay on the other hand, there are two, like I said, major kinds of translations. Mm. There are translations that try as much as possible to maintain fidelity to the original manuscript. So mm. what was original, what language I, was the original Bible written in? I, I was going to come to that. Okay. The original manuscript, Old Testament, Hebrew, majorly. Okay. Um, New Testament, mostly Greek, some parts Aramaic. Mm. So those are the major three languages of the bible was it was it because of the apostles was it, was that their language is that why jesus probably spoke um aramaic mm-hmm. because he was jewish and all that but the language of writing the mm-hmm. language of literature in the first century context in which they were living mm-hmm. was um, majorly greek um, uh-huh. and a certain type of greek actually so yeah there there, there, there was that and that then leads to one of the first problems because Abigail is saying she saw a post Mm. and then she quoted the post that she saw, which was a tweet, actually. Mm. And in the tweet, the person is saying that there are no original manuscripts. Mm. So if God honors his word, why has he not preserved it? And I'll be double clicking on that in in just a bit. But yes, the person is, is right to say, as of today, for the New Testament, we have no original by original manuscript. I get what the person meant is the very manuscript that Paul, for instance, wrote. The one that it was Paul's ink <laughs> that that penned it, if you will. You would never find any of such again. Um, the same thing with other authors that worked on different aspects of the New Testament. Okay. Uh, so there is that reality, but would come to argue otherwise about that to show that actually what we have today is more than reliable. Okay. And actually God has preserved his words more than anybody could ever think um, or imagine mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, and I'll touch on that sh- um, briefly, shortly. Okay. But coming back to what I was saying about the two kinds of translations. Mm. So there are some translations that want to, in trying to translate into English, Mm. they want it to maintain the language structure of the original Greek or the original Hebrew or Mm. the original Aramaic as it were. And so trying to just bring those words, they call them word for word translation. KJV is a very good example of that, Mm. which is why sometimes you read some verses in the KJV and you're wondering, does this even make grammatical sense? <laughs> John 10, 10, the thief commits not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come. Hmm. I am come is not English. <laughs> it's not good English anyways. Um, and there are very many such um, weird language constructions that you find in, in, in the King James Version. Um, 
thank God for the King James Version in all of its over 400 years of being in existence. Wonderful piece of literature besides the fact that it's God's word. Mm. Even those that are not Christians but are literature students respect the 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 elegance mm. and the brilliance of the King James Version mm. of the Bible. There is a documentary that is titled When God Spoke English and it was a documentary on KJV Bible, how mm. we came about the KJV Bible. And the man himself maintained that respect and awe for the piece of literature that it is, besides the fact of whether or not this is God's word. So yeah, apart from that, there are people that then thought, okay, language keeps evolving. Mm -hmm. Even the English of 1611, when KJV was originally published, is different from the English we are speaking today. And so in order to help people understand what is this saying in the Greek? How, what would it mean to the people mm. that read it or heard it first? What would it mean in their context? And then how can we say that in English? And for instance, when you say something like in English, um, idiomatic expressions like you're flogging a dead horse, to translate that into another language, you can go on and just use the same language construction, flogging a dead horse, but mm-hmm. it will mean totally something else. Flogging a dead horse in the Yoruba language is my mother tongue. It doesn't carry the same idiomatic meaning mm-hmm. that an English person would easily pick when he hears okay. flogging Flog a dead horse. Um, so that attempt to bring out the meaning, as it were. Mm. And so they call those second kind of translations, thought-for-thought translations. Mm. They are thinking about not just what was said, but what was the intention of the writer or the author of that mm. passage. Uh, what message is it trying to pass across to the reader? Okay, mm. how can we say that today? And sometimes we tend to call such phrase, um, translations paraphrases. So the Living Bible, um, the Message Translation, um, the Passion Translation, which is a more recent one, um, Contemporary English, vas- English Version, New Living Translation. Many of those contain a lot of paraphrases. But at the end of the day, the aim is that whatever would be meant in the Greek or Hebrew Aramaic is mm. what we are trying to convey mm. in English language. Could you give us an example before you go on into okay. the details of word for word translations and mm-hmm. not just give us examples of them mm-hmm. like what are they best used for that might help abigail mm. you know she the last thing she said was that she, she doesn't, doesn't know, know which one to read, to read. Yeah. so that might give her a bit of context and that she'll makes, be able to make a decision that makes sense um to, to start with it's not it's just not possible to have a translation that is 100% word for word or 100% uh-huh. thought for thought. Um, in the KJV, for instance, there are, there, there are verses that talks about um, God being hungry. But actually, if you are reading that in the, in the Hebrew mm. um, Old Testament, uh, is, the language in the Hebrew is something like the, the nose of God became enlarged. Mm. To translate that into English makes no I sense. See. In the first instance, God doesn't have a nose and then mm. the nose doesn't become enlarged. In that sense, I mean, there is a language like that where we talk of the hand of God is not too short to save mm. and things like that. But God is spirit, essentially. Uh, 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 but what is meant by an enlarged nose in the Hebrew language sense of it is actually just anger. Mm. Uh, and so even in those word-for-word um, translations, there is still those little bits of here and there. Mm. But to give examples, like you said, and there are some versions of translations that are just in the middle. They are mm. not here or there. They just merged both styles together. 
But what for what translations, like I said, KJV, New mm. King James Version, which is still just an improvement on the KJV, mm. um, RSV, Revised um, Standard Version, mm. um, English Standard Version, ESV, is also a very um, well-trusted one when it comes to word for word uh, okay. translations. The Amplified Version is, is word for word. It's just like KJV that is then amplified. Mm. Um, trying to just um, synonyms, bring in synonyms and things that can, and they are not just random English synonyms. Um, mm. The the woman that worked on the Amplified Bible was trying to just also get into the Greek, the Hebrew, the original language, and see what those words, what other images can come from that word, mm. and then that forms the synonym. So it's not just. Um, uh, I saw beginning and then I'm just looking for all the English synonyms of beginning, beginning to, to put in, in there. Um, the authorized standard version, ASV, mm. the New American Standard Bible, NASB, all of those are like word-for-word translations. On the other hand, for Thought for Thoughts, I've mentioned some before, Message, Living Bible, New Living Translation, the Phillips translation, which is actually just only for New Testament, but a brilliant paraphrase. Um, I love it. Um, the Passion Translation is perhaps the newest one in that um, kind of genre. Mm. Um, and then the Good News Bible, or Good News Translation, which she also mentioned in her message, mm. actually. All of those are more or less, um, they are more thought for thoughts. They are more like paraphrases. Mm. But in the middle, there are some wonderful attempts at trying to blend um, both approaches. Mm. So you find something like NIV, New International Version well trusted by very many people um because it's it's easy to the ears it makes easy sense but at the same time as much as possible they try to still stay um in touch with the original word for word translations but mm. it's just a blend of both um there is the nrsv that's usually the one used in academic works mm. um new revised standard version um, and then a, a, a particular one for children is the International Children's Bible, ICB, mm. which, yeah, they're just trying to also do a blend of both and try to limit the English vocabulary to what young people would mm. understand. Mm. So th- those are a few examples. But it's not about what version should I start reading. The question is actually, what do you want to use the Bible for? Mm. Um, someone that is new to the Bible might not want to start with a translation that is like word for word, that is having too much um, thou shall and this and thou. But that, that's the problem. I mm-hmm. don't I don't get hear it get taught in our churches. This distinction mm-hmm. and this preface you mentioned, it's mm-hmm. not most of us these days we use E version of the Bible. Mm. So we don't have that preface. So... But it's good that you're saying it now. At least now we are conscious of it and we know how then to go forward. I just thought to chip that in. Thank you. Actually, the the e version still have these prefaces and they all do? that. You just need to know where to look. <laughs> um, and of course, we have the internet, anyways. Um, mm. I know for BibleGateway.com, you'll find all of these kind of materials alongside ah. um, the Bible context itself. Um, for someone that is new to the Bible, thought for thought will do. Um, okay. In that case, you might not also want to go for something too radically thought for thought. Like message, message translation is a, is a heavy paraphrase. Let me put it like that. Mm. There is just sometimes you're reading the, the, the verses and if it's a verse you've been used to in mm. any other translation, mm. you're just wondering, are we talking about the same thing? <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, so, yeah. 
uh, to get a feel, um, something like NLT, something like um, New Living Translation, I mean, okay. uh, could be a good um, way to pick up for someone that is new to the Bible. Uh, if you if it's a Bible that will be read aloud, and there are mm. some denominations that actually give some time during the service to mm. read aloud, it would be good to get something that will be good on the ears and at the same time, yeah, close to um, the original translations uh, mm. or manuscripts rather. So a blend will do well in this case. Um, I would think NIV will make a good fit in that in that regards. A blend of word for word and thought for thought okay. um, translation. Some denominations actually like ESV even though it's word for word, but with good English, as opposed mm. to the thou shouts of the KJV. Mm. Um, again, if you're going to be reading with other people, um, like if you want to do a group study together, mm. I think it might actually be good to let every reader decide on <laughs> which one they want to read from. Then when they come together, the differences in translations might have helped them or led them into getting different things from the passages that mm-hmm. they're studying together. And then that can lead to a richer study. If you want to study a passage in depth, like mm. if you want to do a proper Bible study, you want to look at the phrases and see what that looks like in the original. Um, you have a concordance. Uh, mm. You want to check out what Greek word was used and all that. Then go for a word-for-word translation. KJV, uh, maybe New King James Version, maybe ESV. But that would help in that regard. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I use ESOD mm-hmm. on PC. Yeah. And this um, there's a dictionary called Word Study. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a KJV that says KJV plus. Yes. So it takes each word and put like a number exactly. on it. Exactly. That's so when called you click Strong's it, number. Ah, I see. Yeah. It goes to the word study exactly. and gives you the meaning. And I find it so good for Bible study. Absolutely. This is just in addition to what you're saying. Yeah, I've been looking for a com. I don't like using lots of commentaries because they say different things and take me off course sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I just want something, just a warn, mm-hmm. that won't divert my attention from the exact Bible verse I'm trying to study. Yeah. And I found this word study dictionary very good. So what it does is it's not it's not like the strong concordance, but this um, word study breaks it down in a very very explanatory way. Mm-hmm. It's it's very good. So you, Abigail, my friend, are useful anyone absolutely, out there. Absolutely. Then I wanted to ask you something again. Yeah. When you were talking about when you give example of how God's nose enlarged and 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 KJV took that to me that he was angry. angry yeah. How did you find that out? But like, is that an Hebrew Bible that Hebrew. people consult? Oh yeah. Oh, there are of course. I didn't believe you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are there are there are even on Esau there are oh. Hebrew Bibles and Greek and all that. Would you say Luke fifteen nine then Hebrew? Yeah, but oh, in the language, yes. So you know Esau, you get to download each translation manually. Yes. Like you choose the ones you're buying or whatever, and then download them. So yeah, they, there are versions like that. Absolutely. So thank you for that. How then would Abigail know? What versions to trust? I know you've explained the word for word and the thought for thought. Mm-hmm. But if I were Abigail, I'm still baffled. There, 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 are, there is an issue she raised, actually. Um, or two issues, and I would try and touch on both. Mm. But there's this issue of her checking another translation and finding some verses to missing. be missing. Mm-hmm. So let me first, first of all quickly clear the hair about okay. that. The reason why that happens, and I've, I've seen lots of posts go viral 
on WhatsApp about, oh, don't use NIV, don't use ESV, all these new versions, um, some <laughs> verses are missing, and they quote some of those verses, Matthew 17, 21, you won't find it, Matthew 18, 11, you won't find it, this, 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 John 5, 4, you won't find it. But what's actually going on there is not that the verses are missing. Um, and this goes then into how God has in his graciousness preserved his word to mm. go back to the other issue um, that she raised about the person that said something about um, we don't have well. we don't have any mm. um, original manuscript. And yeah, that's that's genuinely true. We don't have any original manuscript again. Okay, so this is how it happens. There is no printing press mm. until the 16th century. Okay, so for mm. over 1,500 years, any Bible that anybody has had to have been copied by hand. You have a copy of maybe John, mm. and if I need a copy of John, then I get your copy of John, and then I copy it by hand. Mm. And mm. then that's how... And this is not just only for the Bible anyways, even for all the popular literatures mm. of the first century period, the period in which most of the book or all of the books of the New Testament were written. Mm. As at the time of the New Testament, the Old Testament was already like part of Jewish life and culture and all that. They know the laws and the prophets, mm. the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses and all of those things. They already have that. But the New Testament was written largely in the first century from shortly after the death of Jesus till the end of that first century period. Mm. And so the thing that you can do that makes sense for you to know, to see how wonderfully God has preserved his word, even though we might not have the very autographed copies of Paul's letters or John's letters or Luke's um, gospel or Acts of the Apostle, is to compare what we have from the surviving manuscripts that we have vis-a-vis -vis the popular literatures of the first century, or at least of that period of time. Um, History of Rome was written about the same time, mm. in the first, around the first century. As of 21st century, we have only about 20 manuscripts that are still surviving. And all of those 20 manuscripts came from the 11th century upwards. We mm. don't have anything from the first 1,000 years of the first millennium, if you will, mm. um, of church history um, as opposed to the Bible. If you look at Caesar's Gallic Wars, this was actually written uh, 50 BC. We have about 10 surviving manuscripts of that till date, and all of them, again, are from AD 900 and after. If mm. you are looking at the histories and annals that was written about 100 AD, mm. only two manuscripts, both of them from 9th and 11th century, and on and on and on like that. But the New Testament was written in the first century AD. And as of today, we have almost 6,000 surviving manuscripts and fragments. Mm, and, wow. the, and, and so that, that makes it not too difficult mm. to recover what was said originally. Mm. In the sense that I saw a copy of, I mean, for say, for instance, the Gospel of John. Mm. There are hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts of gospel of john okay. the issue now is to to date them and know which of these was written before which one okay. and so there are times that you will discover that you are reading one manuscript and some verses are there that are not in another manuscript mm. but obviously both of them are copies of the book of john mm. and so you are wondering the, the question then would be which of these two manuscripts <laughs> is more legit in that sense um, and it's, it's, it's a difficult process, mm. to be honest. 
but the beautiful thing then is in all of the cases where these discrepancies come up there is nothing of core doctrine that is involved that's one thing that we must know they are just minor um issues here and there historical differences and things like that or somebody just inserting um a a clarification in his own translation or a copy of the scripture if you will Mm. um and things like that so there is nothing major as to the fundamental doctrine of the christian faith christ came crucified dead buried resurrected ascended to heaven and all of the things that came with that in the epistles and all of that there is nothing that is in conflict so when translators are working together to make a translation Mm. these are the kind of places where they need to then say to themselves what should we do here if there is more if there is more consensus in terms of what they have Mm. whereby maybe many more copies that seem to be dated earlier don't have something Mm. but the later versions or later copies tend to have it it just makes sense to say maybe it wasn't there originally maybe somebody added it over time and what they do in most of those cases is just to add a footnote and say, okay, in this particular verse, which you probably will find in, say, the KJV or the ESV or whatever, mm. we are not too sure to say this was in the original translation. So there will be a footnote to say this verse. It's not that the verse is missing. Look at the footnotes. The footnotes will then go on to say some manuscripts have so and so and so at that point. Mm. And so it's still, it doesn't change anything mm. in my own understanding. And, and You know what I thought? Yeah. yeah. When I, when I was like young and if a pastor was preaching and says, open to John 12, 18 mm-hmm. and I open my Bible and, I, and it's not there. What I think in my mind is, ah, this pastor doesn't even know his Bible verse as well. Yeah. So I thought it was there making a mistake. <laughs> it's just yes. recently that I knew, but actually there's some verses missing. Like I've been living all my life not knowing this. I mean, it's good if um if a man of God is is enough in the scriptures to know these issues mm. and help the congregation to also engage with those issues i mean a very popular example for instance you'll be surprised that some versions of the bible would not include the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery john chapter 8 mm. that's a very contested um story Mm. in the in the new testament really because some manuscripts don't have it some other manuscripts do have it and that's a huge we're not talking of mm. one verse or one statement in this case it's a full story mm. that seemed as if actually it probably got stuck into the manuscript in some later copies mm. and the ones that seem to have been earlier manuscripts don't actually have it but then the veracity of the story itself is doubtless it's just so very much like, like jesus, jesus like, yeah. uh, and so the signature of jesus is all over the story it's it sounds too good to be a fictitious thought of someone's mind uh, and all of that so those are the kind of mm. questions that councils have met not, not just people like us that are wrestling with these issues church mm. fathers for the first few hundred years kept meeting again and again at different councils to determine mean all of these issues and 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 come to a consensus on them and argue against those that are bringing heresies about different issues and all of that so we actually god has preserved his word in the most amazing way he has given us two numerous copies of what survived Hmm. for us to really know to really see to really understand what was was in his heart Thank um, you. Yeah. Oh, that was very helpful. So you've God confirmed God the, the, uh, that God preserves His word. <laughs> so, <laughs> sir, 
can you please tell us, answer this question. So mm. Abigail says someone told her that a good news Bible wasn't authored by a Christian. Is that mm. true? That's that's not true. Definitely okay. not true. Um, actually, uh, there is a bit of story behind that. Okay. Which, to just put it in a nutshell, okay. um, there is a man by the name Robert Bratcher. Mm-hmm. Who, um, How do you spell the Bratcher? B-R-A-T-C-H-E-R. Thank you. Um, it yeah. was the lead um, translator for good news translation in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was about the time that there had been lots of debates in biblical scholarship okay. about the inerrancy of God's word. And if someone says, I believe in the inerrancy of God's word, mm. some think that you mean that the Bible that we have today contains mm. no errors whatsoever Okay. Um, in terms of, say, translation errors, in terms of um, grammatical errors, mm. <laughs> or, um, in terms of how can you be so sure that this is what was meant in the Greek and Hebrew and whatever, whatever, and things like that. Mm. But that's not what inerrancy, the doctrine of inerrancy meant. So shortly after this translation was released, this man they made these um, remarks in, in, in a seminar in Dallas. This was in 1981. And he said, only willful ignorance or intellectual dishonesty can account for the claim that the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Mm. No truth-loving, God-respecting, Christ-honoring believer should be guilty of such an heresy. To invest the Bible with the qualities of inerrancy and infallibility is to idolatrize it, Mm. to transform it into a false God. Mm. And really, I mean, it's not here, it's dead now, Mm. he died in 2010. Um, I'm persuaded that what he meant by that, which I think really... I've studied the arguments for mm. whether or not the Bible is inerrant or infallible. And I totally believe the word of God is inerrant and infallible, but not in the sense of um, whether or not um, there could have been a translation error, mm. not in the sense of whether or not um, there, there could have been some verses that are included in our Bible now that mm. maybe were not in the original manuscript. Mm. This actually led eventually to a group of people coming together to give a document in the 70s, just trying to spell out what is meant by the doctrine of inerrancy. Mm-hmm. And amongst other things, what they are trying to say is the very original manuscript, which again, we don't have, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially for the New Testament, that the very original manuscript mm-hmm. definitely contained no error in itself because okay. only men of God speak as they were carried along by the Spirit, or like Paul said, all scripture was written by the inspiration. But of course, in the process of copying and copying, in the process of translating and translating, certain things could have been gotten wrong. Mm. But again, we believe that even in the copings and mm. the bringing together and the translations and the publishings and whatever efforts anybody is doing to get God's word to God's people, mm. we believe that God in his sovereignty super intends that process so much so that what we have today can definitely definitely be trusted Mm -hmm. because god himself watches over his word bible Mm -hmm. says and so it's a bit of an issue that threw a lot of people off about him as a person but um i think he's a christian definitely Um, and uh, he was a bible teacher for a long time and he's a baptist and things like that so did he stop believing in god after he said no not at all Kept on working on Bible translations and stuff. So, That's good. Um, That's yeah. And I think God used him mm. as he has done with any other person that has 
tried or attempted to make the Bible more accessible. Mm. Again, just like I said, if you go ahead and read the preface to the good news mm. or read the preface to the Passion Translation, read the preface to the message, then you would see where these people are coming from. And mm. they are not ad- admitting that they are superhumans that mm. totally understand exactly what God was trying to say. But their genuine heart is to ensure that God's word is accessible to certain kinds of people mm. that might not be able to get it any other way if, for instance, they have access to these other versions that are out there. Um, and that would help in our using different versions mm. to actually know what we are engaging with. Yeah. Just a quick question. Mm-hmm. So the insertion yes. of, of the later version, does that make it, does it confirm that it was inspired by God? Hmm. that's an interesting question but of course if something was um, inserted later Hmm. that wasn't in the original Hmm. those are the kind of questions that lead to some versions or some translations taking out those versions or those verses rather because they don't believe believe that they are then inspired because in the if you're talking of divine inspiration you're talking of what the original author said said at that point in time um, but other versions would include it and still believe that it is inspired because to them, they actually have their own arguments to say this was in the original, not just that somebody added it. Uh, so two things you must watch out for in Bibles, mm. footnotes and the preface. Okay. It helps a lot. Okay. Footnotes helps you see... Um, because for every translation, you see, mm. there is a particular set of manuscripts they are working with. Okay. And so if the ones they are working with don't have something, then they won't include it. And again, also understand that there are no Bible verses in the original manuscripts. There are no ah. chapters in the original manuscripts. All of this came later. Mm. And so it's, it would have been easier, for instance, if the Bible wasn't chapterized and with verses to just omit something because yes, it's not in what I'm working with. And so I'm just going to omit it. But mm-hmm. now that we have chapters and verses, it's easy to say, oh, this is not there. Genesis 1-1 is not there. Or mm. this, this is not there. Um, and that's why it becomes a sort of an issue. But really, it's it's not an issue as such. Mm-hmm. But again, the thing to note is nothing doctrinal, nothing... Um, fundamental to the Christian faith is affected by any of such possible Changes. additions or omissions and as the case. And doctrine that means Jesus died for our sins? Yeah, Grace something G- about the doctrine of, of Christ, Christ, which uh-huh. the Bible is all about Christ. So there is nothing Christologically significant hmm. in all of those mm, little, little um, omissions or additions possibly hmm. here and there. Oh, that was very helpful. Thank you very much. So to tie it up together, what would you say to Abigail and the animals of this world and the rest of the people? As a general rule of thumb, mm. as a way to land it all, about what version should I then read? Okay. I would say just pick the version where you, where you feel the most helped by the Lord to hear his voice mm. with authority and with clarity. The yes. Bible is not just like any other book. And indeed, um, when I became a Christian, one of the things that... I did that helped my Christian growth in those fundamental years was I was crazy about buying different versions of the Bible. I, I didn't have a phone at the time. It was much later that phones and laptops and computers and all of that would come into my world. Mm. Um, so I was actually literally going to a bookshop and buying art copies of different versions of the Bible. And the reason why I was doing that was because I just 
I had this hunger for God's word mm. and I wanted to see it in all the possible shades that I could <laughs> see it from. And so I would go and, oh my God, when I eventually found that there was a software called Esword that I could have like all these <laughs> different translations on it, it was like a lifesaver mm. in 2007, and a, and a 2008 saver. and a money saver <laughs> actually. But as of that time, I probably had like 12 ad copy yeah. versions of I the remember Bible. you gave him a first new century bi- version new Bible, century version and yeah. i loved it it's so friendly it's a friendly version easy yeah, to read it's very easy, very easy, to, easy to, read. to read yeah um so yeah choose the one that you know you've read this and it helps you for me, pres- presently, the Passion Translation leans towards that. Mm. Um, it was when I was in Bible college, I first heard of the Passion Translation. And I didn't, I didn't fancy it as such at the time. But eventually, I started seeing different Bible quotations here and there. <laughs> and then I would see TPT and I'd be like, I've read that verse, verse before. <laughs> that sounds so, so genuine like that speaks my language in a sense mm. um and that's that's helped me and of course again understand that you'll find lots of things online about virtually every bible translation with people castigating them like lots of people have said all sorts of things about brian simons that worked on the on the passion translation to the point of some people even saying it's from the devil mm. um the same thing like we said from for good news bible and virtually eugene mm. peterson lots of people attacked him before eventually the, tran- the translation has become kind of well-loved by very many, the message translation that is. So don't let all those things sway you. The devil is also, he has his own agenda. Anyone that is doing a Bible translation, I believe is doing it from the heart of, I want people to understand God's word. The devil doesn't want people to understand God's word. One of the ways he does that is, let me just sow a little doubt. As long as you can continue to doubt what you're reading, whether or not it is real or genuine or it is authentic, then yeah. He knows that he has some sort of foothold. Don't give him the opportunity. Are people the people who translate the Bible? Are they yeah. are they are they um, regulated by a body? Do you have to be a certified person? Not necessarily. Trans- so I can just stand up and say to translate the Bible. You can, but then you submit to a publisher, right? And so every publishing firm has their own. Um, guidelines as it were and then team of editors mm. so for instance the issue of lucky 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 are you mm. that mm. eugene peterson did in his first manuscript for matthew 5 mm. got corrected at that point because otherwise if it was just left to him 100 percent, then mm. maybe we'll be reading lucky are you in <laughs> matthew chapter 5 now but because there are still other highs that will look at it it's, it's the publisher it's, it's, not- there's no Christian organization guarding oh, against there is no inappropriate translations. Of the question will become, what is the authority? I mean, back in the mm. days before the Protestant um, era, uh, the, the Catholic Church, church mm. was that authority. Mm. They are the ones that, and the Bible has to be in a certain language and worship mm. has to be done in a certain dialect and things like that, which were all the things that Martin Luther and all the reformers fought against so that the Bible can become accessible to everybody and anybody. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there is not a body, so to speak now, that regulates for all translations. Anybody can do a translation. But that is a, a definitely Herculean task to take. Um, and the people that have done it have done it 
still with lots of consultations mm. you can't afford to do something like that just on your own 100% it just won't fly uh, you need to have some credibility behind what you're doing and what that comes from when lots of other trusted voices mm. have also or trusted highs as the case may be have also gone through that and given their validation for what you've done to say indeed we believe this is the word of god mm. um, so yeah uh, and there's a whole lot of journey and processes involved in that okay. Thank so um abigail don't be don't be confused. Don't be perplexed. God's mm. word is beautiful and it's up for you to grasp. Find the version that helps you. You might need to first of all try out as many versions as you want. That's okay. Mm. You don't have to buy them. Go online and use the online versions for a while on your Bible app or go to biblegateway.com or biblehub.com or bible.com mm. and you'd find all sorts of translations engage with one for a while say for this month i'm just going to stick with this translation see what that mm. feels like and then maybe next month switch to another one see what that feels like um but eventually when you find that one that is really helpful mm. stick with it make that your go-to bible for your meditation for your memorization okay. but at, at the same time i always advise people to consult other versions especially when you're reading something that is not clear or that's just it just sounds half hmm. maybe to what you've known before then yeah that's a good opportunity to bring out other research uh, other versions and, and see what they say about it okay and then together yeah thank you very much thanks to you too thanks to abigail okay. yeah so this concludes our episode we hope you found it very helpful. I did find it helpful to know there's an Hebrew English Bible. That's my next research, and I'm going to go look for that Bible and see if I can use it. So make your research. God is real. God is with us. We shouldn't let the world tell us about our God. We should tell them about the God that we serve. That's right. And God help us to speak about these things more about contradictions in the bible mm. inherently seeming contradictions, contradictions in mm. the bible things that we don't get to hear in church so that when people ask us about our faith about our god we're able to talk to them mm. and answer them That's right. may god help us in jesus name amen thank you very much so we'll see you in the next episode until then remember you're not alone today god bless you bye